All right. Happy New Year, everybody. We are fully in 2020. I hope everyone had a, a wonderful uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Um, this is the Big Gold Bell Podcast. This is our first episode this year. We're all excited. We got a lot of things we want to talk about. Um, but before we get started, let me introduce who's going to be on the show tonight. And in case anybody, this is your first time you've ever listening to us, this is your host, Two James, here. And I am accompanied by my guy Hill Will Mahoney and Mr. Giant Crap himself, Jamal. Fellas, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good. How are you, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy New Year as we return to a herald in another season of crazy wrestling action and who who knows all what else. But 2020, here we are, onward yeah. and upward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely do um advise anybody again if this is your first time listening i mean this is going to we're, we're, we're way within our hundreds of episodes but definitely check out our last episode as we kind of reflected on what a crazy year 2019 was we talked a little bit a little bit about what our expectations may be for this following year but um before we get started about a lot of the things that's currently happening i just want to throw it to you guys uh, a couple of things really quick uh the first thing i want to throw to you guys is um when you think about the decade that we just had in all of professional wrestling, I'll I'll just say all of this combat sports period of, you know, how so much has just really changed uh, since the beginning to the, uh, the completion. Uh, You guys give me some reflections about just the overall 10 year of, of just the world of of professional sports when it comes to that. (laughs) Go ahead on this one, Jamal. I want to think about this for a second. Oh, well, okay. So the first thing is, um, I don't think the decade's ended yet at me. Uh, secondly, if we're going to count this 10-year period as a decade, as it, as over, then so be it. I think that things have changed and as dramatic as they have remained the same. WWE is still plagued by the same BS 50-50 booking that's gotten them, that we've thought in the uh, John Cena ruthless aggression era that that we wouldn't see anymore, and here we are. There's been some interesting declarations by WWE. For example, uh, the McMahon's coming out and saying, "Hey, our show sucks. We'll do better." Stephanie McMahon inventing uh, women's wrestling and then kind of ditching that project. Uh, you know, but then you also had like this indie renaissance that has kind of come out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, the Internet's been around for a while, but all of a sudden, everybody with a, uh, an iPhone and, and, a, and a battery charger is now streaming live wrestling. So it's been dramatic shifts in the wrestling landscape as far as how you consume it. But then, as much as that's different, it's also very, very similar in the fact that it is still kind of what it is. And I don't know, you know what that means going forward. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, 
but it is if you it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, obviously. But I think people are more entrenched and divided as ever as to what wrestling is and what it should be. Um, and Twitter is a perfect example of that. Yeah, uh, Jamal, I definitely wanted this mirror off of you just a little bit, too. Um, a lot of the things I was going to bring up about is how um, the availability of watch wrestling has drastically changed. There used to only be television. But now we have Twitch, we have all all forms of new apps. Uh, you know, the availability of wrestling is twenty four seven now, not just your Mondays and whatever the respective days were in the beginning of the year. What Fridays or Wednesdays? Who knows? Uh, and, and then the other thing, quickly, um, before I lose my thoughts, is that social media. I remember when social media was like almost like an incentive to like wrestling. You know, when you could. Uh, you know, go to their. What was what's the thing we always used to joke about that WWE had? Um, what's that little video streaming thing that they had? Oh, tout, tout, tout. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> tout so, it out. So social media kind of felt like an exclusive inside to uh to talent and the business over. Where now such things as Twitter and Instagram are like catalysts to a lot of what's going on, and you know. For the good, there's also the bad with that as well, too, where uh, social media could ultimately alter someone's career, booking, whatever it may be. Um, and and absolutely, I I b- believe I started this decade with just this mainstream level of wrestling to ending this with the greatest, highest appreciation of independence because, uh, like you said, the, the renaissance has been around for years, but... Um, they're a player in the game, and some of the best talent, period, have made their names on the independence before they went on to do bigger, bigger and better things instead of just working through the system. So, you know, when I think about the 10 years, it's it's definitely been um, a change where a lot has been different. But like you said, a lot has has been the same. So, there, yeah, there, there's a lot of what really stands out at me is the barrier of entry as far as like getting into wrestling now is like so much lower than it used to be. As far as like, if you're a fan, there's so many options now just at your fingertips. If you go back and look 10 years, you had that old school pay-per-view model where it was like every month, 54 bucks for an arm pay-per-view we were up to. <laughs> and the God, the, the, the think just about the, the WWE network alone just how much that changed when they rolled that out this decade and went to the nine ninety five a month model. And it just, that broke down so many barriers to like being into this. And just that, that really, I think is one of the biggest stories of the decade is just the change of the business model from everything being about pay-per-view to now it's really all about TV deals. It's all about those big TV contracts that are, the biggest thing coming in. And then on top of that, having some sort of online presence, whether you're doing an app or you're doing stuff through Twitch or you're doing stuff through YouTube, it's like, you can't just have a TV show anymore. You got to have a digital distribution plan to go along with it. And that's like where we're at now, where it's a just totally different scenario than what it was in 2010. Now to expand on what you're talking about with the indies and all that, that really, I can't even imagine in 2010 
sitting there and thinking, you know what's going to happen in this decade? Uh, Triple H is going to get a bunch of money from Vince, and he's going to get to run a super indie in Florida, where he's going to get to sign whoever he wants and bring them in and present a style that's completely different from what WWE has historically done. And here we are, and it's, you know, what, five, six years running now, and NXT is a totally just completely unheard of thing that 10 years ago just would not have, you know, even seemed possible. And that really changed a lot of how WWE is presenting their wrestling now. I mean, Johnny Gargano, Daniel Bryan, just like, you know, these smaller guys that are technically great and, you know, not big muscle-bound guys like a Dave Batista or a John Cena. It's a night and day difference in that respect. And then, like you guys mentioned, even despite all that, you still have the tribalism and the various pockets of fans that are like, I only like wrestling this way. I only want my chocolate. I don't want vanilla. I don't want strawberry. And this way's right. Your way's wrong. That I don't think will ever change, unfortunately. But yeah, a lot of feelings about that, about where we are now. We're at 2020. It's it's so different, yet so the same in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quickly, I'll throw it back to you guys real quick. And I do apologize to anybody who's listening. I we There was no pre- uh, there was no pre-script ran with us before we started today because I definitely wanted to catch everybody off guard with a little bit of these questions. So, you know, bear with us as we get back in our group for this year. And we will have a lot to talk about as far as our expectations here on the show moving forward a year. But uh, quickly, again, over the last 10 years, what has really just been the one moment that you guys just really remember, either hold dear to yourself or just was just, um, you know, you know something that's memorable that this kind of uh, that that just kind of sticks with you over this period over the last ten years. Mm, something that sticks with me over yep. this ten year period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think probably the biggest thing, and we just talked about it, is probably the creation of the WWE Network. Not just because of how it changed the uh, business model, but it also brought us uh, NXT. It brought us the Cruiserweight Classic. It brought us an Evolve show live. Um, it brought us a house show from live from Japan. Um, it brought us, you know, so much for free. And then, of course, there are the, um, you know, this, the shows and stuff that they air. And just to think that before that, WWE was a um, not a pay per view service, but it was like a subscription based service anyway, along the lines of like HBO or Playboy or something. And it was just like a paid on demand. It was WWE Classics on demand. And then they went from that to a full-on uh, wrestling network. So I think the biggest thing is the creation of the network. And then bullet point one is they barely cracked like a million people, considering how much territory they cover around the world. It does, you know, the, the how unresponsive people have been to the creation of the network, and that's evident of 205 Live probably not surviving the year. It's evident of NXT. Um, you know, competing with AEW when if they had the full backing of the network and the mainstream audience, it shouldn't even be close. And the inability to build stars from NXT to the main roster. People aren't watching the network. So as good as it is and as groundbreaking and revolutionary as it is, the, the mainstream audience really by and large hasn't taken advantage of it. And I think that's probably 
as big a surprise as it is the creation of it. And, 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 you know, I think other things, of course, you know, the women's, you know, revolution, the birth of AEW, the fact that like PWG and Wrestle Circus are now these super indies, uh, the, the rise and fall of TNA. I mean, there was a lot of stuff over the, like the last 10 years that makes you go, huh, I, that's didn't end the way I thought it would. But the biggest thing has got to be the creation of the network. Yeah. Um, New Japan wouldn't have, uh, have New Japan World. Um, yeah. If the network didn't exist. Yeah. No, um, I'm I'm kind of right with you on that, and I and I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, when you were younger, you had to, when you had to watch pay per views. You know, you had to kind of if your parents, if if your family wasn't fully on board for each, you know, at least once a month to order that sixty dollar pay per view. I think it was back in the day. Which, if you think about sixty dollars back in the day. And people are still complaining about $60 upwards now. You can imagine, like, how big of a dividend it paid for, like, how, how big of a dividend um, it must have hit back in the day. And it was, it, you know, it was almost like a reward, you know, in order to get it. So, you know, you, you wasn't getting every pay-per-view. You had to kind of collaborate with your friends in the neighborhood to make it work. But, um, but think about the way that it, it changed the uh, storytelling as well. Uh, a lot of the most important things, the combinations of stories would happen at the pay-per-view. It's yeah. the point of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just like, well, I don't really don't need to watch Raw. I just need to watch the go-home show and then the you... pay-per-view itself because it's all 10 bucks. And if yeah. I don't want to watch it live, it's on demand. Or if I don't want to watch it live, I, it's on my phone. Mm-hmm. Or, or on, I can be anywhere in the world and that... watch as long as I have Wi-Fi. That, and that's a... that... Go ahead. I was going to say, no, that's a great point. The, vo- the emotional investment behind everything with the pay-per-views then to now is drastically different. Uh, like, 100%. You're, 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 you're definitely triggering right there with these comments. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, and for what it's worth, it's not necessarily a matter of, oh, well, this is good and this is bad and stuff like that. And I think that that's kind of, you can look at AEW. Uh, their last pay, their well, their only pay per view, but their pay per view numbers haven't been stellar. Even though those, they it is a classic uh, storytelling in that this is how where the the stories will end and continue on, you know, on Dynamite the next uh, time it airs. Now it's just like, well, do I really want to pay sixty dollars for this? You know, and then of course everybody has a thing. So it's not just WWE, it's Honor Club and Impact mm-hmm. Plus and Fight TV and uh, Dazen and New Japan World and whatever else. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot and it's really come into question now more than ever uh, how much wrestling is, is worth. And, that, and, and you know, independent.tv and powerbomb.net and it's really calling the question where is my money actually going? And even though it's ten dollars, is that still worth it? Because how many of y'all have Iron Club? Um, <laughs> come on, I, come on, dude. I still have yet to meet somebody who has Honor Club. <laughs> I know, I know, I know one person, and I definitely was trying to, you know, see if we can make a a a, lo- a logical deal because I just can't. anyway moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, it, I, it's really struck me. In the last, I would say, year since everything really, really blew up. I think, you know, with the addition of AEW to the mix, that really kind of 
changed the playing field in a lot of ways, but we already had so much from WWE every week with the addition of NXT to the Raw and SmackDown, you know, scenario. Once they added that in, it became a weekly show. Once you add in AEW and then you have an impact and then you have, you know, upstarts like MLW with their TV situation and ROH with their stuff on weekends, it really becomes who has the time? You know, it's not even so much about the money. It really quickly turns into how much time in your given week do you want to devote to just watching wrestling? That really becomes the biggest hindrance to me where it's like the money ain't the issue, but it's just like I don't want to watch anymore. It's like how many hours of stuff am I going to watch before I'm just like, you know, going to be cross-eyed and just like burnt out on wrestling. I want to enjoy what I'm watching, but there's, I think we're at the point now where the oversaturation is there to the point where it's just, there's no way to keep up with all of it anymore. It's just the abundance of options is great, but it can also quickly be overwhelming and going into 2020. I'm really trying to stick with the idea of, if I'm not into it, I'm moving. I'm moving on to the next thing. There's just there's too many options, too many choices, and not enough time to get to them all. So if you're not really truly demanding my attention and hooking me, sorry, I, I ain't got time to sit around and like try to enjoy it or try to make it work. You know, we got plenty of wrestling between the indies and the major league groups. There's more than enough wrestling for anybody out there and any kind of taste out there. It's like. If you're looking for indie stuff, you got IWTV. If you're looking for Japan, you got Stardom World. You got New Japan World. If you're looking for WWE, of course, they got you covered. If you want AEW, they got you covered. There, any flavor under the sun you want, it's out there. It's just a matter of getting it and devoting the time to watching it. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. For me, so, you know, over the last 10 years, I know one of the biggest things for me definitely was uh, attending WrestleMania 32 because not only was there a bazillion people in there, I think it was like a um, uh, hundred, a hundred thousand people in a Dallas stadium, which, you know, is a, a huge arena and even just the arena itself is just an anomaly in its own. But not only just being in that, in that building for WrestleMania, but the duration of that WrestleMania just felt like, an endurance run period because it was just absolutely long. So by all means and, and by all, all, by all means and with all the bells and whistles, just that experience itself, the preparation of going to it and how, um, you know, uh, WWE makes their events bigger and bigger each year. And I think, you know, getting to 32 and for the spectacle of which that was, it's just something I just don't forget because it just was just a lot that went into the whole preparation for it. Um, You know, for better or for worse, whatever happened during the event and so forth. uh, It was just really, it was, uh, it was just really memorable for me. And I think the other thing too, I mean, I think the network was easily going to be my thing about the initial launch of the network and how that changed and how, you know, you don't have to go broke to watch wrestling now because uh, the network, $10 a month, I think a lot of people can afford that. And even with the, some of the incentives of, you know, getting a month for free and, you know, a month gets you, could pro- could probably get you about four different pay-per-view events. Um, I think the next thing for me is just really the um, the resurgence of the cross-plat, uh, what do I want to say, cross-sport athletes. 
people who are going from WWE to UFC, UFC to WWE, you know, Bellator and um, the impact deal that they had, uh, you know, seeing that really become a thing because, you know, wrestling was just wrestling for a point and it was, you know, easily the most entertainable sport out there. Then it went through this area of being a a PG-13 sport where now it's starting to get tarnished a little bit more or less by the slanders of it being fake. But then you're taking athletes from other sports, um, you know, that aren't scripted. Um, it work, you know, choreography uh, during their bouts or matches, whatever it may be, and having them come over with their athleticism, bringing that attention over, um, changing more or less how matches are worked. Um, you know, a lot of that, I think, uh, has really paid towards the positives on a lot of spectrums because, uh, you know, combat sports, the longevity of your life, isn't is nowhere near going to be as, as as close to what you could sustain in the world of professional wrestling. So it's giving other people opportunities to do that. It's also giving people opportunities that have always wanted to pursue such things as boxing and um and in MMA uh to you know more or less condition within wrestling and then you know um further their training and conditioning to go on to do that. So um I think within this last 10 years we've seen uh, just more and more opportunities, not with only within professional wrestling, but within all the combat sports, being able to kind of jump around with each other and all kind of legitimize each other. And I've said it a lot during, um, you know, during our our, uh, our last couple of years on the show that all three of them are looking at each other, all three sports, boxing, MMA and wrestling. They're all looking at each other as ways to become more lucrative better promotion, create bit bigger and better stars each and every year. And um, it seems to be just a good, healthy growth and opportunities for uh, those who seek this type of profession. Uh, but anyway, before we kind of get into the things that's going on today, unless you got some, you guys got anything else you want to add as reflection of the last uh, 10 years uh, within, uh, within this genre. You got anything to add before we move on? No, it's going so first off, really quick, let's talk about our show. So um, as we record our first episode this year, um, expect some changes. Um, new look, new feel. It's 2020, so we're, we're here to party. We're, we're here to stay. So um, once the completion of this show, expect a whole di- different redesign of everything uh, BGB moving forward. Um, things are ready to go. Just time to apply them. So definitely look for to seeing things looking a little refreshed. Um, the next thing is, I said it on our last episode and a few episodes before, expect more content. Uh, we will be getting back to our live interviews. I know a lot of you guys have been bugging me about it. Uh, we had some technical issues with it. Not going to point the fingers. That's not a person, by the way, when I say point fingers. Uh, <laughs> but we have came up with a solution, and we're going to make it work. Now, Here's my campaign to you guys. Help us out. Definitely step over to our Patreon page. If you can't, step over to our website, biggoldbellgroup.com. Hit the um, donation tab. And any little doubt that helps because because of how we're going to be doing our live streaming now. Now it looks like we're going to be needing a little bit of extra change to make this be sufficient for you guys. And not just, just to get the live stream and stuff going. It also gives you guys a way to interact with us and chat as well. So 
And when I say us as well, that also means with talent and guests that we have. And best believe that we have a large queue of people that we have to kind of revisit to kind of uh, catch back up on and, um, and other new people as well. So, you know, any little thing helps. And um, as you when you go look at the Patreon page, you can also see the other incentives that you you get upon subscribing. But like I said, there's tears and then there's just anything that helps. So definitely step over to the website um, as um, you know, you can help us definitely keep the lights on and maybe change those bulbs to LED bulbs for us. <laughs> 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 but like I said, more content as far as our podcast aspect, you're going to have more content as far as our reviews, as far as other shows and stuff that we're watching. We typically don't review shows on our podcast because that's kind of boring. I think everyone does it. Everyone says, hey, Raw came on today. Did you like it? What you think about this match? We definitely have never done it. So don't expect that. However, however, we do have interest in other things that people aren't talking about. Impact Wrestling for one, NWA for another. So expect to see and um hear more reviews from these shows that uh that isn't just WWE. Um as well as seeing our presence in live independent shows. You will be definitely providing live content as that as well. So like I said. We're, we're, we're vamping things up, and I think this is the perfect time for us to make sure we, that we hit the soft refresh button and push the initiative moving forward. Um, so, again, for you know everyone that's been supporting us this far for even our ups and downs on little technical issues that we've had, uh, we're back, and we're definitely ready to go. Uh, so, other than that, that's our reflection of what we're going to do here. We talked about the last 10 years. I think it's time for us to talk about what is happening now. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm just going to say this before we before we get to uh, what Will kind of brought up a little bit or earlier. I, and, I, and I know we're going to have to probably talk about this or, or do we? But I'll just say just initially, Twitter has been nuclear unsafe the last 24 hours for uh relationship issues <laughs> just 24 hours <laughs> just 24 hours I, I, I just know that i came into 2020 wanting to be a better person <laughs> i <laughs> want to be i want to I, i'm striving to be a better person on all fronts and leave the negativity in the past and i so what hit me with all the slanders of all the cliche talks whatever it may be blah 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 blah, blah. but i'm gonna do it but man, I'm telling you, people took one step over that year, and it just got it. It got ooh. So we'll, we'll just put that out there for now. But anyway, before we get to what's what's actually really happening, uh, WWE. Okay, so so Will, I, I know you say, I, and I and I didn't initially watch Raw. Uh, actually, <laughs> during, this, during this vacation break, I actually haven't been watching wrestling because it's just been a vacation period. Um, I did go back to kind of look it up. We'll talk about Raw. We'll talk about, uh, when I say Raw, not the whole show, but we'll talk about the segment, the wedding segment that has really been roughing people the wrong way. And sure, it's been happening for a very, um, this this storyline that some people wish would end has been happening maybe longer than some people actually wanted. But I, I, I guess it's come to an end of some sort or some type of resolution. Oh, it ain't over. <laughs> it ain't nowhere near over. Well, they they well. just took a sharp left turn on Monday is all yeah. they did. Yeah, okay, they so, add more ingredients to the mix on Monday, but it ain't over by a long shot. <laughs> oh, okay. So drop drop us with the topic with with Bobby Lashley and um, Lana's wedding 
and relationship ordeal. Let's drop us the topic. Which what is it about this that you wanted to you want to bring up? Who there is there is so much about that darn wedding segment that uh closed out Raw Monday with a. Uh, Bobby and Lana and the addition of Liv Morgan and Rusev and all kinds. And I guess prior spouses that we didn't know about and (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Um, I guess the big thing would be the reaction that it received, which has been all over the place. And there's been a lot of, uh, I guess the biggest thing that struck me, that's probably the biggest topic of conversation that came out of it was um, the addition of Liv Morgan to the angle and with the idea that she has been in a lesbian or bisexual relationship with Lana in the storyline that we did not know about as a, a secret on the side thing, I guess who knows if it's true or not, but that's where that's where they have taken the story. So the responses to this have been really interesting from people just being like, oh my god, it's 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 a total Jerry Springer segment, which, I mean, honestly, that's what I expect from a WWE wedding, is total Jerry Springer soap opera ridiculousness. So that I can understand. But I guess the one of the big points I saw getting hit very hard immediately was people being very upset because of, um, what's her name? Oh god, um, my god, right on my tongue, what's her name? I Man- her name. Mandy Rose and uh, Mandy- Sonya Deville. Mandy- Sony Deville, Sony Deville. I kept saying I want to say Daria. I'm like remembering her real name as opposed to <laughs> her work name. Yeah. yeah. So Sonia Deville, Sonia Deville, and how she has tried to get an LGBTQ storyline going with her and Mandy. Like, and they definitely took some steps in that direction last year after WrestleMania, and then it quickly didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of reaction with. Why is this happening now? And why is it happening with Liv Morgan? She, as far as we know, isn't part of that lifestyle. So is that appropriate? Is that okay? It's a slap in the face to Sonya. Like a lot of just different takes on them going this direction and and totally out of nowhere too. I think that's also part of it is that, you know, before Monday, there was no, uh, tease or anything of any sort that Liv Morgan's return was going to play into this wedding storyline. But now it is now we're here. And I don't know, to me, the first thing that jumped out at me, I was like, if there was ever a uh, segment that had Paul Heyman's fingerprints on it of rehashing ECW, <laughs> this was it. <laughs> this is Tommy Dreamer and Beulah and Kimono Wanalea all over again. <laughs> in, in just 29 2020 instead of uh doing it back in the 90s but yeah there's a lot to unpack there so i'm well, curious what people's feelings are on it because definitely people have a lot of different feelings and uh opinions on where wwe has gone with this uh storyline okay easy for me i think we all can agree that wwe's story telling booking creative has just been garbage of this particular uh, uh, storyline or in general? Just in general. In okay. general. Just been garbage. So, would you expect any different? <laughs> like, I, 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 when I when I figured it was roughing people's feathers, I was like, yeah. I mean, what do you expect? And then, something else I saw came out that Bisping Man was happy with it. Also, not a surprise to me. So, um, you know, as far as any, like, 
personal feelings about the actual storyline itself, I don't have any. But as far as my expectations to knowing that this is people's reaction from it, I'm not surprised because it's just what they've been delivering, period. The Cleveland Browns have been trashed for 10 years. They sound <laughs> Odell Beckham, uh, Baker Mayfield, who was their top pick, and, uh, you know, they got uh, Jarvis Landry. So, hell, they got some, they got an offense on there. The, the Cleveland Browns are still trash because it's just what it is, period. It, when the culture is the culture within that organization, it's always going to be that until it changes. Vince McMahon still runs WWE. Expect this at all times, people. How is this a shocker? How is this even worth controversy? How is this worth anything? Because it is completely on par for what it always has been. So that that's my thoughts with it. Yeah, see, I think um, I liked it. I really liked it. And I think it was the best thing they've done really in a while. Um, like, the aftermath aside, and for as much as people hate things, can't stop talking about it. Well, that's the business. As much as they, you know, want to say that it was trash and it was all, all of these opinions and feelings that people have that are being still brought up. And we are, you know, some three, four days removed from the, uh, from the show that are, people are still talking about. And, uh, and, and so many other unforeseen ramifications that people are still talking about. If they didn't care, they wouldn't still talk about it. I don't talk about things that I don't care about. There's a lot, there's a world of things that are happening right now that I don't give a good goddamn about. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste my time talking about it. But here we are. And I think the, um, uh, the program with an insert in Liv Morgan was a shock that nobody saw coming. Oh my God, people got worked. Damn, they actually told a good story. I mean, I'm not sure. And this is a problem with the entitlement of wrestling fans nowadays, especially uh, on social media, as it gives them free reign to be uh, these keyboard bookers that, that think they know everything. But the bottom line is you got played and you feel mad about it. It's not about the storyline. It's about the fact that you booked the show differently, you being the Internet, booked the show differently. It didn't come out the way you wanted it. And now you're going to throw a hissy fit. The angle's actually fine. And I, and I think, honestly, people are still more interested in spite, considering they're more interested in spite to know what happens next. And, well, <laughs> damn, you're hooked. And you, you're too stupid to know it. You, you did it you to yourself, right. Internet. You did it to yourself. Now, alternatively. Hey, hey Jamal, when, it's, the, it's the same people that will say cancel the WWE Network. Same people say I'm not watching it no more. And, man, they are the same people that somehow <clears throat> are watching right. this to have an opinion about it. <laughs> I mean, for so many people that say that the hashtag cancel WWE Network, Raw's <laughs> ratings dip, but they're not dipping that bad. They, they <laughs> ebb and flow all the time. We kind of know what the numbers are, but it's not like they're like in crisis mode, you know. So <laughs> let's not let's not pretend that you know the internet. It, it is what it is with the internet, and to be honest with you, that's only a small subset of the population anyway. But you can't argue with the numbers. And I'd be damned if people don't have, you know, a Twitter account or a Facebook account or some other social media. But this, uh, this, this program did, you know, views and likes and shares online. That's a pretty good barometer of success that people are talking about it. <clears throat> and there's a difference between 
good and bad and go away. Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins. These people make me want to turn the channel. I don't want them on my TV. I don't watch them. I skip it. I'm over it. I don't talk about them, though. But with this thing, I think people love to hate it. And they're obsessed with it. But they don't want to admit it. <laughs> Personally, I think the actual storyline is good. And I think that it is a very interesting thing to insert Liv Morgan. This, they ruined her return. They don't know what they're doing. No. I think that this has a thing, and it makes sense because we know that Rusev is leaving. He's actually out of the storyline if he needs to be because it's been taken out of his hands. He'll have the match with Lashley, or he won't. But it's not about him anymore. We, Rusev what do you mean going to do his own thing. What do you mean he's leaving? Um, well, we know that his contract is up sooner than later. Okay. And, he would, and we know that he has it confirmed to resign. We know that Lana's confirmed to, re- to resign. Ooh, um, to a year deal with WWE. So the fact that Lana has uh, resigned and that the onus of the uh, storyline has been taken away from Rusev and being put on Liv Morgan and Lana with Bobby Lashley now being the third reel, that pivot happened. And people are still mad. But so many things are, like, little things are in play. Rusev can quietly bow out. It doesn't make sense for him to fight Lashley anymore. Your girl got a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, so there's I mean, both of them are just sitting back, like you know what? I'm not even mad at this anymore. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this. For as angry as people are acting and as worked up as people are about this storyline, I mean, it the clip of it's been on YouTube for two days now, and it's currently sitting at 4.1 million views. So. And I, I saw someone mention this this week, and it kind of made a lot of sense to me. It's like, how how these days would you really gauge like what the casual audience is probably into, or what they're having showing an interest in? And probably YouTube numbers are probably a good way of doing that, where it's you know you're just gonna look at a clip. You're not devoting your time to an entire show. You're not watching it live. But if it pops up in your feed, you're like, oh hey, what's this? And you watch that little four or five minute segment and you're done. I mean, there's probably something to be said for these soap opera type segments that are just over the top ridiculous like this. Like I said earlier, a Jerry Springer type storyline like this. This is the kind of stuff I think that plays really well on social media and in a YouTube format where it's just like you watch a little five minute clip, you see something ridiculous and it's done and it's out of your hair. I think there's this kind of stuff clicks in that respect. And I think that's a lot of what they're going for with this. Now, as far as Rusev goes, I mean, geez, remember earlier on in the darn storyline, people were saying the same thing they're saying about Liv Morgan. Now they're like, Oh, they've ruined him. They've ruined Rusev. They've, <laughs> they've made him into a cuck. And they've totally ruined him. And now they're saying that about Liv Morgan. Rusev right now is doing fine. He's come out of this smelling like a rose and he's Mr. Swinging bachelor now. And he, he he's good. They can keep him involved in it with it or they can spin him off into something else if he ends up sticking around who knows i mean if lana's sticking around i think they're going out of their way with this storyline to get him to want to stay with the idea that look we're giving you all this tv time we're devoting all this time to your wife and all this so they're i think they're going out of their way to hopefully keep him happy and who knows if he's going to go anywhere or not but yeah how live morgan 
now is inserted into this. I think that that's where all the big question is now is how is she inserted into this? What does it mean for her return and this new presentation of her? And it's just funny that like so many people, I don't know where this idea got started. If it was just people online, just putting ideas in their head and then just people running with it. But like, Somehow folks got in their head that she was somehow going to become Sister Abigail and be paired up with with Bray Wyatt. And well, I, I think that was, was because of Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I don't ever, that's what I'm saying. There wasn't ever one thing that ever happened like that pointed at that. But somehow well, people like, made I mean, like up. her Twitter, she, she did say that she was coming back, being repackaged, and it was going to be like a new you know, cleansed her. And there was some imagery that could lead you to believe that um, she would be a member of the Wyatt family or whatever that thing is. Okay, and people and people's uh, imaginations just ran wild with it. Yep. <laughs> from, that, from that one tweet. Yep. <laughs> and so, so that's why everything's ruined now because, because that isn't what ended up happening. Um, it's just wild how people do that. And they got themselves worked up into this whole, like, idea of what it was going to be and like you said earlier jamal it's like now that it isn't that oh it must be wrong it's horrible it it, it they ruined everything uh i'm telling you where else are points i wanted to make about this it, it was just there's so many people weighed in it like, like joey ryan weighed in on it and was got a lot of people talking about it because he he portrayed it as using gay for shock value which was very interesting coming from Coming from him, considering how so much of his act is based around sex, that he's perpetuating it as using gay for shock value when they didn't even make out. They didn't kiss. They just we've they've hinted at a relationship. And I still think there's the possibility that is this relationship even real? You know, they they have not followed up on this yet. Was Lana upset because she came out and blew and put their story out there? Or was she upset because she interrupted the wedding? We don't yeah. know. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's more to this story than what we saw that night. I think a lot of people are jumping to like, you know, that the five steps down the road and they may come back Monday and it might be a totally different story than what we're thinking just from what they did here. So there's, there's ways they can WWE can go with this. And I, I think it's definitely a scenario where it's like, you know, people say, you know, we, we got to wait and see what they do, you know, or give, give them a chance to tell the story first. And I will say this to, on the side of people who aren't liking it. No, I do not have high hopes for this. I don't have, like, expectations of WWE telling some nuanced story of some sort. I look at this as a Jerry Springer storyline. I'm expecting this to be trashy and ridiculous and soap opera-esque over the top. So I think if you're looking for some kind of nuanced delicate real realistic storytelling of you know some kind of lbgt type thing i wouldn't get my hopes up and it seems some people i think are hoping for that coming off of of the sonya stuff last year and i i think that might be a a stretch at this point but i don't know yeah we'll see on monday the, the problem with that is is if you introduce something new as new instead of introducing something new as commonplace, um, that's what makes it special. So if I were to introduce my gay friend versus my friend, I mean, it, because I'm labeling things, it makes it, it, it puts a little bit more spotlight on that. 
the bottom line is that it shouldn't matter that, you know, Liv Morgan may or may not be a lesbian or bisexual or whatever. It may not matter. It it should not matter that um, uh, Rusev and Lana have done anything. They're already divorced, remember? Um, and it really shouldn't matter what uh, Bobby Lashley has to say because the story is not about him anymore. And then marriage was never uh, officially. Well, that's not how, that's not how marriages work. But their ceremony wasn't completed. If you believe that that's actually how people get married, you know, you go to a courthouse and you get a thing signed first, and then you have a ceremony. But whatever. Um, but the fact that they said like it would be like me, you will saying like, no, these these two guys are my black friends. Like it's it changes the narrative a bit, and right. when it, and it honestly is unnecessary. Uh, you know, even Stevie Wonder can see that you know two champs and I are black. But the bottom line is is that you don't have to add that. Why did you add that? It doesn't make any sense. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that the inclusion of a same sex storyline should be done subtly. Because they're people. It's just a storyline. A a couple is having a a relationship issue. Oh, they just happen to be two girls. So be it. But now it's like, well, that person that's in the ring, that's that's been the love of my life playing the pronoun game. And it's like, well, I'm not talking about you, Bobby Lashley. And then the entire crowd goes, oh, yeah. I think he's gay. That's, That's where it becomes disingenuous. And I think that if you are a person who's in the you know gay community or an ally and you go, that's where you lose people. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. But this is also coming from the same place where um, the big dog is going to hunt in this yard. Also the same place where an undead mortician uh, you know, wants to fight people. And then his half-dead brother turned former dentist uh, you know, also <laughs> on people also. Um, there was an employee of the IRS. Um, there was a, a repossession um, enthusiast. Um, and there was a literal wrestling god. So, I mean, you know, these are, these are the, this is the place where this, this story comes from. I don't think you can take it too seriously. Yeah. But then again, if, if because of the narrative and because people do take it seriously, which is why Twitter is losing its collective minds, so you got to go, you have to tread responsibly, and WWE may not have done that. You, you look, we all know because uh, at Russell Master Fifty Five wasn't able to book the segment the way he wanted it to be. That he's pretty upset about it. So that's just how that goes. So for yes, every person with an egg or some type of whatever type of background, whenever they get pissed off online, you know that just sends a whole wave of things as if they are just going to do a big better. Uh, a big better job but again to my initial point what do you, what can you expect from WWE creative at this point as long as this man is at head and that's going to be that for a long time then you know disrespective but anyway um because we're coming close on our hour on a positive note of like real marriages <laughs> Andrade and Charlotte did get engaged uh recently as well too so that's pretty interesting i mean um, Poor guy. <laughs> Either way, I guess by by uh, by, let's say kind of WWE tradition, maybe this is actually going to be beneficial for Andrade on 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 camera. Um, as he actually just won the U.S. Championship at a household, which was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, congratulations to them, and uh, hopefully Andrade now gets this 
really substantial push that he's been rumored to have for a long time now that uh, he has uh, engaged to the queen in WWE. Um, the next thing I wanted to bring up to, which just I feel like it just slipped my mind just that quick because I need to remember these things. I should, should be writing these things down. You should. Uh, I, yeah, I, I should be writing these things down. Oh, I, I know. Two, two other things really, really quick. Number one, back to the Twitter stuff I was talking about earlier. If you guys legit just, because I, I don't even know if we even have time to even go down this, but guys, for real, if you guys legit just want just to laugh, you definitely want to just go to Joey Janela's uh, oh, Twitter page <laughs> uh, because, uh, <laughs> like I said, uh, make sure your kids are way tucked in bed because the, the 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 conversations between. Him and the bad girl Penelope Ford and, and Kit Sabian. Um, yeah. They look like they um <laughs> taking jabs at each other. I initially saw oh, an initial tweet and had this feeling. I was like, oh, there's no way that's just going to be a one-headed quitter. Um, as that bout looked to have been gone about 12 rounds now. So yeah, you definitely uh if you want to laugh, you definitely want to check that out. Um, I, what I wanted to throw at you guys really quick as we get towards the end of the show. Again, really quick. I know we talked about reflections for um the last 10 years, but really quick, if you guys can just remember, what would you say was your match of the year on any platform within the last 10 years? And I know for me easily, um, was uh was at NXT Takeover what uh Brooklyn was uh Sasha Banks and just uh Sasha, Sasha Banks and uh and Bailey. Mm-hmm. I literally still do not know if I've seen a match that just created such um the embodiment of excitement and just how it worked the crowd um and just for at the time of when that match took place how it just it moved everything but take everything else away from it just what happened within the ring itself was just an instant classic in a make make it and it's just like just like agile development it just got better then it reset got better again reset got better to just the ultimate conclusion that was just overall just one of the best matches i literally think i've seen it's within my top five of all time, easily. But within the last ten years, absolutely the best match I've ever seen. Uh, but for you guys, what would you guys say was just your your uh, your favorite match of the last ten years? Uh, I guess I'll say Bailey versus Eva Marie from um, 2015. <laughs> 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 oh no no! See that wasn't a joke. I'm dead ass serious. Oh I know. Oh I know. And it, and, and it has truth to it. I I absolutely know. I absolutely know. They told a story. They told a story for sure. It it created it created something that we didn't know we were worthy of. Um, I think like the build to that story, and, and you know, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not big on storytelling. I really don't care why they're wrestling. I just want to see a good wrestling match. And with Eva Marie. And versus the crowd, versus Bailey, it was damn near like a triple threat match. But <laughs> the bottom line is, is that that was probably the most passionate crowd I've seen engaging in a in a story in a in just a visceral way. I, I haven't seen anything like that in in years. I mean, in absolutely in years. And the match itself, you know, wasn't Malenko versus Benoit. It wasn't Yoshihiro Tajiri versus 
super crazy, but it's just the, the crowd. They were in those two, for better or worse, were able to have that crowd eaten out of the palm of their hands. Um, every single move, every rest hold, every wrist lock, the crowd, even Marie, is probably the best heel of WWE in the past 10 years. Like, period. I don't think I can find me another person, male or female or Muppet, that gets a bigger, a bigger negative reaction um, than Eva Marie in the short time that she was able to do it. And I, I don't think that that's the, um, I, don't, I don't think you could, you, anybody can match that. Go ahead, Will. I like that we got an out of the box, different uh, answer there. That, that, I, I, I got to go back and watch that match because I absolutely do remember that match <laughs> being a hell of a lot of fun and I haven't seen it probably since the week it happened. So yeah, I got to yeah. revisit that on the WWE Network. <laughs> I don't know if this is necessarily the best match or necessarily your, the your greatest best match, match or your favorite match. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with this because the more this is one of those questions, the more I would think about it, the more things I'm going to start thinking of that would keep knocking stuff down the list. So I'm going to go with the first thing that came to mind. And I'm going to go with the story of Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 from opening the show against Triple H to closing the show and winning the main event and winning the title against Randy Orton and Batista. That that whole bookend, the, the whole thing, because it all goes together. He had to get past Triple H to get in the main event, and then he got the title and that whole essentially the fans willing him into that spot and that whole journey. And then of course, I mean, we don't need to talk about the ring work. I mean, it's Daniel Bryan, for God's sake, we, we know what he can do. So that, that that's beside the point, but just that, that quest being fulfilled, that journey being fulfilled and it being fulfilled in new Orleans at WrestleMania. That's the first thing that's coming to mind. So I'm just going to go with that. Cause otherwise I'll be here all night coming up with more and more options. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a close second for me uh, was Keith Lee versus Angela Slane in Nova Pro. Yes. Um, I think that was a hell of a story. Um, you know, a multi-show uh, build. Um, and so much so, I think, you know, it was another one where the crowd really kind of added a bit of spice to it, where she was definitely a heel. Uh, and she did heal things. I called her a witch. And I meant it. I still mean it. Um and the bottom line is, is that the show of respect that she got after their match was over was was moving, was absolutely moving. So that was uh, probably one of my favorite matches. No, that is my favorite match in Nova Pro. Definitely probably one of my favorite matches of the last, the last 10 years from anywhere that I've seen matches. Mm-hmm. I was just going to add to uh, what going back to uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks uh, for the NST Women's Championship, which was at uh, NST Brooklyn, and I also think too that was the initial launch for Takeover is must see for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think at that point that you know, considering they were just the minors and there were a bunch of people, no one knew who names were and et cetera, et cetera. I think that match made sure that people knew, like, hey, you're missing magic right under your feet because you just refuse to see anything different. And I think it did enough uh, within the world of professional wrestling that that match alone drew a whole new crowd of people to become NXT uh, fans and well-deserving. And also, Izzy crying 
was also something that you just never will forget as well, too, because Big Bad Sasha Banks uh, made fun of Little Bailey Girl. Um, no, was that the one where she like took her uh, shades and snapped it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. All right, so as we're about to get ready to close the show, is there anything else we need to talk about? I'd Wrestle get... Kingdom. Yeah, Wrestle yeah. Kingdom's this weekend. Right, right. And also, too, Access won't be showing New Japan no more or nope. Wrestle Kingdom. So, not surprised. Yeah, um, that's that's to be expected. <laughs> once the yeah. once they became the home of Impact and the ownership of Impact, it's like, yeah, the writing was kind of on the wall. <laughs> yeah, where does that put? Where where's where's where these guys kind of seeing that end up landing now? Well, New Japan's already said that they're not going to pursue uh, an American deal on right now and that they are directing people to newjapanworld.com <laughs> okay <laughs> alright good yeah but uh, Russell yeah. Kingdoms this week um, yeah let's talk about that really quick um, Oh, before before I even uh, bring it up really fast I still I, I really do think it's really cool to see a bunch of people um, really be up in the wee hours of the night to really watch what has religiously been an amazing pay-per-view each and every year. Uh, you know, before it was just the thing where, and, and again, before social media just became what it is, it just was the thing that you kind of did and you, t- you know, you text your friends or call your friends, let them know that you are watching it. But now, you know, everyone's prepping for it. And, you know, even some people live stream themselves until it actually gets to the show. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, it's not only just become just, uh, just an event that's must watch. It's also just become um, more or less something an activity everyone could be a part of and they find fun out of it. But uh, yeah, let me bring this up really quick unless one of you guys got it up already. I what? think that's enough. <laughs> no, bring, bring what up? Oh, Russell Kingdom real quick. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I mean, I have the, like, the, the matches in front of me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to figure out is what time does it start for us? That's the only thing I really care about. I think and... the first night is like 3 a.m. And I think the second night might be one. The second night's a little earlier because it's two nights this year. Right. For the right. first time ever since they're doing and... the, the double title scenario that continues into night two. And what's also very different about this time is that there's going to be women on this show. Um, what, what do you guys make of that? I mean, it seems like something that should have just should have always happened but why now do you think this was the decision to go that way well new New japan's parent company bought stardom so that's the that's the deal with that and they're uh they're not going to be showing that on the the feed on new japan world that's only going to be live in the building as like a dark match really uh, yeah the stardom offer match if we want to call it that Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. uh is only going to be in the building before the uh, New Japan Rumble that traditionally yeah, there, there's opens a dark the show. match. I don't think they're doing a Rumble this year. They're doing a Rumble? Uh, Ready, are, they, are, they, are they, they're opening the show with uh, Liger's retirement match, right? I think. Uh, right. Like right. So there's an eight-man tag, and then there is um, a regular tag as the pre-show matches. Um, Liger's first retirement match opens the show. In an eight-man tag, um, and then yeah, there's just a ton of eight-man tags. There's like eighty people on this uh, on the first night. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada is going to be absolutely bananas. And then, of course, you have you know Lance Archer, Archer versus Moxley. Uh, Renee Young is flying out to uh, Tokyo to watch the match, uh, is the rumor. Um, there's just so many good things to see on the first night. And the second night, of course, you have Jericho versus Tanahashi. And if Tanahashi wins, he gets an AEW championship. So... I, I think that that is just the most interesting. Like next to, uh, you know, booking the Rusev and Lana and Lashley and now Liv uh, angle. What what do they do with Tanahashi if he wins? I mean, does that does he have a chance now? You know, of winning, would they receive a match for the AEW Championship? Yeah, my my thinking would be. If they're going to go that route, and the way my thinking is, that if there was ever a chance that New Japan's going to finally get in bed with uh, AEW, this is it. Especially with them losing the TV deal in the states and the current state of ROH. So if they're going to pull the trigger, I figure this is the first step to dipping their toe in it. So what I would do, the scenario I would I would envision would be Tanahashi beats Jericho, gets the title shot. And then you do that title shot on an episode of a AEW Dynamite. You don't do it on a pay-per-view. You just do it on TV as like a big like featured match one week. And you do it well, that way. Considering that they only have pay-per-views you know, once a quarter and the next pay-per-view isn't until the end of February, uh, you know, that may not be something that they want to wait on anyway. Because yeah. the, the show is this weekend. You know, the title match of the pay-per-view wouldn't happen for two months, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I I wouldn't try and do Jericho and Tanahashi as a big pay per view. I don't think, it, especially when when they are they're already building the Jericho Moxley scenario as what seems to be the next pay per view. It's like that's going to do better in the states as a match you can promote. That's why I would I would just do Tanahashi as like a featured match on a big episode of AEW Dynamite. Well, okay. So in in a, in a matter of positioning, if you imagine this thing on a scale. Who does the scale tip in favor of in a, in a relationship with New Japan and AEW? Is it even, or is there a, a more decided winner uh, that's better off in this scenario? Good question. Thank you. Because they both have their needs, and like New Japan is definitely now in a situation where their U.S. television is going to be gone. ROH has nothing to offer them, essentially, that I can think of. That seems that seems anything to me, there's nothing ROH has to offer to go out of the way for. If they work with AEW, of course, that gives them access to the elite again. And th- we they definitely have been hurting since they, they lost those guys. It definitely they took a chunk of the people that were watching New Japan with them. It was definitely, I think, a scenario where you had a lot of people that the Bucks and Kenny Omega and them had watching new Japan that were watching it because of them. And the moment they left, those people didn't stick around. So if you can get them back in the mix, even in just a limited way, it's only, that's only going to benefit new Japan by that same token. AEW could probably get their uh, mid card that is struggling in some spots. If they could get their hands on a couple people here and there to kind of flesh that out, you know, here and there occasionally with the helping out with some matches that that would be good. So I, th- I think it's much more of a mutually beneficial arrangement where there's both things they can get out of it. The, the biggest upside for New Japan would be publicity in the United States. That's what they need. That's what they're going to be missing next year. So that's the biggest upside for them. I think the biggest upside for AEW is access to more star power. 
I think uh, to, to piggyback off of that sentiment, I think, but I do think that the scales tip uh, decidedly in the New Japan favor because by working with AEW, it gives them an inroad in, you know, the second most popular uh, promotion in the country, period. Um, it also gets the Japanese people re, um, reintroduced to the elite who have, and, and Moxley and Jericho who have already made inroads in, the, um, in, in Japan. And uh, it allows them you know, to work because they, already, they own stardom. So a lot of those uh, women have been coming over to AEW. Uh, they have working relationships with them. So that's also a thing that could work out. That's mutually, you know, Kong has been in Japan a lot, and uh, she definitely knows her way around there. Nyla Rose just came back from Japan. So that works out, and there's a lot of upside to New Japan. However, um, AEW could use more belts. And just because they only have two belts, uh, three belts, I'm sorry, uh, a men's, women's, and a tag. And the thing is, is that they kind of need a mid-card uh, belt right now because it's either you're at the top of the card or you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because now that has a bunch of people like Kip Sabian, like Joey Janela, like Sean Spears in limbo. They're not ready to cha- challenge for the championship because there's no room at the top of the card. But they're not Nak- Michael Nakazawa. So mm-hmm. what do you do with them to put them in a meaningful storyline that's going to get them over the next to the next pay-per-view in three months? So I think them challenging a Juice Robinson for the U.S. championship, them challenging, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. Could you imagine Jack, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. on AEW Dynamite? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's the thing. So I think it would be interesting because you bring over so many other belts, junior heavyweight championships, the open weight championships. Uh, I mean, I just bring in Zach or hell, bring in Kenta. Could you imagine Kenta versus Joey Janela on, on Donald? <laughs> you know, so for the open weight championship or something. So it brings some much needed mid card material in their mid card belts. The New Japan, New Japan has 75 belts. They, they don't have, good lord, they have a lot of belts. Um, and I think that's the one thing that AEW is missing right now, uh, because I do like the direction that their women's division is taking. They they are making um, progress on on that front. So, and the and the bottom line is is that if you are that type of fan that we're going to spend uh, the money or the the time to stay up wherever you are in America, stay up really late to see New Japan live. It was probably going to be to see what Moxley does. But it definitely is going to see be to see what uh, Jericho and Tanahashi does, mm-hmm. because these things have so many other implications. And then, unfortunately, we will not see the starter match, uh, which is a damn shame. But there's so many other people that if Jericho and Moxley brought you there, then Osprey and and you know Jay White and uh, Suzuki Goon and uh, you know, evil uh, Los Ingobernables. The, uh, there's so many other acts that will keep you there. So, I think it. I think it works out. I think it works out really well. And and just to be clear too, for fifty dollars to get three nights of wrestling on a uh, fight TV with New Japan, I mean, you can't beat that. And just so to clarify the times for you, uh, night one is starting at seven a.m. Uh, and night two is going to start at five, and then the um. The New Year's Dash is going to be 
uh, on the third day. That's going to start at eight thirty a.m. So get all three for um, for fifty bucks on Fight TV. And and if you're like Will, know how to maneuver that to get, be even less for somehow, then <laughs> that's even better <laughs> of a steal. <laughs> I do have the referral code still. I'll be I'll be I'll be popping that out uh, this weekend. I'm sure get, get people five bucks off at least or something. <laughs> Whatever the current promotion is on those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I think that should wrap it up for tonight. Um, any other closing remarks from you guys before I c- kind of give a shout out real quick? Um, Eva Marie, Eva Marie, greatest heel of all time. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no lie to that. Just to be honest, like the fans don't even know that they created a superstar that night. I, I mean, granted, she's been so good off, she hasn't even thought about coming back to wrestling. So. Uh yeah, thank you. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> <laughs> Will anything? Um, I I will leave with a thought on Wrestle Kingdom since we don't usually get to talk about New Japan, and since it's their biggest show of the year, might as well talk about that for a second. Um, lots of speculation about who's going to leave as the double champion, who's going to end up being the dual IWGP World and Intercontinental Champion. Uh. Lots of people I keep keep holding out hope for Naito. And after all these years, my gut feeling is I think Naito's time has passed. I think they missed the boat on Naito. I love the dude to death, but I ain't feeling the momentum that I did a year or two ago for him. So I th- if, if they do do it now, I think it's too late. I think it's the wrong time. Personally, I'm saying you either go fresh and young with Ibushi and go with him, or you just uh, probably a lot of people won't like this. You double down on Okada as just the greatest of this damn generation, and you go with him. But I kind of got the feeling it's gonna be Ibushi. Is my so, gut feeling? Isn't Okada supposed to do something with the Olympics or something? I think he's carrying the torch. Okay. Oh. Well, there you go. That might be. That might be. Giving us a tea if, if, if he's involved in something that damn high profile, then mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows? So, yeah, That's right. So. It is an Olympic year, and the Olympics are in Japan. So, mm-hmm. and after, I, 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 I can imagine after you had this guy, you know, uh, you know, working these matches with Omega, and, and clearly we see how the loyalty went with that. That there must be some saving grace to saying like, all right, now we really need to make sure we keep this guy because um, I'm pretty sure the offers are all throughout the world to try to get him to move so uh, i can imagine this would be the easily easily the way of saying like all right this should suffice on all on all levels but we'll see uh i was about to say something else about that and don't know but anyway before i end the show definitely again want to say uh, i definitely want to give a shout out to my man brandon dylan you can find him on youtube at uh, youtube.com brandon d51 who definitely was a big catalyst in making sure that this new look make sure all the graphics are refreshing everything as we move forward with uh our refresher for 2020 so definitely wanted to make sure i, I gave him a shout out before this show was all over um we will be at battle club this saturday uh, for their event, which you can uh definitely stay close to our social media for that as you'll see some stuff coming out of that corner uh before our first episode i think that definitely puts a bow on it and um definitely 
as next week we'll have a lot to talk about after the fallout from Russell Kingdom and, and other things. I'm pretty sure that Twitter is brewing up as Twitter has been on a nuclear lockdown <laughs> since the beginning of this year. And it doesn't look like it's going to slow up at all. But um, from us here at the Big Gold Belt Podcast, um, as always, make sure you visit our website at BigGoldBeltGroup.com for all our latest updates, events, and so forth. And a lot of new content, like I said, will be there. And we will catch you guys each and every Thursday. Um, well, let me Let me actually rephrase that. We record each and every Thursday. Expect to start hearing some of this live once again. Um, Podcasts will drop for you early Friday morning. But for now, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time.